a pleasant Wednesday. This is Ozarks at Large for December 7th, 2022. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellums. It is Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. Flags are to be flown at half-staff in tribute to service members and civilians killed in the attack on this day in 1941. Flags are to remain at half-staff until midnight. The Arkansas 2022 elections are over. At least three area cities finally determined mayors, Alma, Bella Vista, and Farmington. Later this hour... Our survey of independent bookstores in the region continues as we seek recommendations for the readers we know this holiday season. In our second half hour, Matthew will talk with the owners of Pearl's Books in Fayetteville. Through it all in 2022, KUAF has not only been your reliable source of quality journalism, we've also been your source for analysis, conversation, and connection in our locally produced podcasts as well. I bring this up because we are in the middle of our season of giving fundraiser right now. Consider all the KUAF has informed you and expanded your understanding of this past year. Blockchain technology, its implications on the banking, real estate, and legal sectors in blockchain, the future of money. That's a video podcast we make in partnership with Fayetteville Public Television. Conversations and guided meditations for mental health awareness and wellness for everyone, but essentially for black, indigenous, and women of color with licensed professional counselors and hosts Joy McGowan and Denisha Simpson on our podcast, Resilient Black Women, and expanding our music boundaries and exploring the social impact of the arts, creative justice, and the roles of the citizen artist and audience member in the Reflections Music Series podcast with Dr. Leah Rebe, who is host of Sound Perimeter on Ozarks at Large every Thursday. This year, you tuned to KUA for facts and context, for international and national news, and also news from your community, on demand and ready for you whenever you need it. Today, we continue to turn to you. Our contributing listeners make KUAF possible. You can make a year-end contribution to keep KUAF strong right now at supportkuaf.com. That's right, Kyle. And one of the great things about KUAF is that we're a member station of NPR. That means we pay fees to NPR to help support news reporters all across the country and around the world. And all of the essential programming that you rely on, like Morning Edition, Fresh Air, All Things Considered, and so much more, is available to you through your support. KUAF pays about a quarter million dollars a year. NPR for these vital programs. And, you know, we still have expenses right here at home. So how do we make sure that we can continue to provide you with the information and news that you need? Well, we turn to you, the listener. KUAF has a mix of funding sources, but the single largest source of support comes from the contributions of listeners just like you. So now is your opportunity to pitch in, to do your part, to help continue to provide great resources to our community that ranges from the Missouri border to Oklahoma, down to Fort Smith, and here in downtown Fayetteville as well. Your support helps to continue to bring these reliable sources to you and your community day in and day out. You can make that gift right now at supportkuaf.com. And a reminder that every bit of support also helps us put together Ozarks at Large. And first up on today's Ozarks at Large, the Arkansas Department of Human Services reports a decline in youth entering foster care, but fewer are leaving state custody. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich spoke with the director of the Division of Child and Family Services about the critical need for foster and adoptive families, as well as how the agency is preparing to respond post-Roe. The Arkansas Division of Children and Family Services, DCFS for short, headquartered in Little Rock, has seen a steady decline in the number of children and teens entering foster care. But kids leaving the foster care system is a different story, says Director Misha Martin. Um, We report in our annual report card, and you can see trend levels of our entries and exits. Um, I actually pulled it all the way back to um, 2015. And we have been pretty stable uh, on the number of kids entering care, even pretty stable through the pandemic. Last year, um, which was kind of post-pandemic, was the first year that we actually saw a decline in children entering foster care, a slight decline. But we since the pandemic, we have really seen a decline in the number of children exiting foster care. So really, our increase, even through the pandemic, was because we had a decline in children exiting foster care. And that's for a myriad of reasons. Um, You know, we've had a lot of turnover. There were service delays, staff shortages in our providers, which makes it harder for the families to get the services they need to to reunify with kids or for kids to um, get permanency. 
The number of youth entering and exiting foster care is always fluid. For example, data show a spike in July 2021 of over 5,000 in the system. But over the past 15 months, the numbers dropped. Martin says the division's campaign called Every Day Counts launched that year really helped. What it is is um, every day counts for our kids in foster care. Every day. Um, No child should be raised by the government. And every day to them is important. And we need to be working with this sense of urgency to make sure that kids are safe and to move kids towards permanency, whether that's reunification, adoption, guardianship, whatever is most appropriate. Child welfare agencies in more than a dozen U.S. states are preparing to respond to the impact of the reversal by the U.S. Supreme Court of Roe v. Wade, including in Arkansas, where a strict abortion ban is now in place. In recent years, more than 3,000 Arkansas women annually, according to Planned Parenthood Great Plains, obtained either medical or surgical abortions. But children born as a result of abortion denial are more likely to live below the federal poverty level, according to survey research conducted by the University of California, San Francisco, and experience poor maternal bonding. Martin says the division will mobilize if any help is needed. Well, I'll say that I'm very grateful to our governor who has really taken on um, how to make sure that we have maternal support in many other ways besides just child welfare. Um, we we have families that are, are prepared to take infants if we do see an increase in children. Current DCFS data, however, show a steady decline in available foster family homes. The Annie E. Casey Foundation Kids Count cites this as a nationwide trend due in part to foster parent recruitment and retention challenges. Inflation is also now a burden for many Arkansans. Martin says her staff work diligently, including during the worst days of the pandemic, across all 75 counties, day and night, responding to infants, children, and teens in crisis. So more than 50% of our kids come into care um, due to neglect and substance use. So it is a major driver for our kids entering care, that they are in immediate danger because one of their parents, caregivers, custodians is using a substance and has put them in immediate danger either through neglect or some other type of abuse or neglect. Such cases may involve environmental neglect, for example, filthy apartments and homes, medical neglect, inadequate food, clothing, or education. DCFS also takes in children who've been abandoned, battered, sexually abused, exploited or trafficked. The kids that come into care, they not only suffer trauma before they come into care, but coming into foster care is a traumatic event. We try and reduce that trauma by by placing them with somebody safe and appropriate who they're connected with. So that's our first, like, how do we help those kids that are experiencing trauma? Number one is we need to be able to safely place them with someone they're connected with. And when I say connected, that can mean hopefully they have family, safe and appropriate family that we can coordinate placement with. And then if not family, a term that we use is fictive kin. Fictive kin are individuals who are unrelated by birth or marriage, but are shown to have close personal or emotional ties to a child or child's family. More than a third of children in foster care in the U.S. were successfully placed with kin, a growing trend. Lacking foster homes, some children are safely placed in group homes. For example, the Northwest Arkansas Children's Shelter in Benton County, which also provides emergency triage. According to an annual report card published by DCFS, fiscal year 2022 shows 31,000 800 cases of maltreatment were reported in Arkansas. 80% of those cases were assigned to DCFS. So the pathway to kids ending up in foster care really starts with someone calling the child abuse hotline and making an allegation of abuse or neglect. DCFS then goes out, assesses the safety of that child. If the child is in immediate danger, the child is placed in foster care. Now, we investigate over 29,000 allegations of abuse and neglect, and we work with those families. We actually serve more children in home than we do in foster care. So not all kids that are reported to the hotline come into foster care. But if they are in immediate danger, they come into foster care, and then we file court proceedings to move forward uh, with them um, so that we have court oversight on every foster care case. 
the judicial review process begins with probable cause for placement into foster care and an adjudication hearing, two-way evidence. Intensive case management is initiated, followed by court monitoring and permanency planning. The ultimate goal, Martin says, is to reunite children in foster care with their families or guardians. But right now, Martin says, residual effects from the pandemic continue to take a toll on the division's workforce. We continue to struggle with turnover in our staff. Um, We have a little under um, 1,100 staff across the state that work these cases and serve children in foster care. And right now we have a 22% vacancy rate across the state. Now, we have some areas that are more stable than others. So we definitely have some areas that were more in crisis than others. We, we've seen some stability in the Delta, but we're struggling in the more urban areas like um, Pulaski County, Washington County, um, and some, some other areas that have even a higher vacancy rate than our statewide average of 22%. Despite such obstacles, she says, the current DCFS workforce continues to serve in extraordinary ways across Arkansas. She cites an incident in Boone County recently where a group of siblings were rescued but had to be placed in different accommodations. That team, that DCFS team, brought all the siblings, transported them from wherever they were, and hosted a Thanksgiving dinner at DCFS and the workers cooked to themselves and had a sibling luncheon at Thanksgiving. They didn't have to do that, but that also reduces trauma for those kids, that those kids had an opportunity to have Thanksgiving with their siblings um, who were separated. And I, I just think those people are heroes in my world. To become a foster parent, search fosterarkansas.org. To qualify, Martin says, you must be 21 years or older, own or rent a suitable home, be financially stable, and submit to a criminal background check. Children in state foster care unable to be reunited with family or kin are placed for adoption. If willing to adopt, the nonprofit child welfare group, Project Zero, Martin says, hosts an Arkansas heart gallery featuring photos of available boys, girls, and sibling groups. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. Arkansas Governor-elect Sarah Huckabee Sanders announced yesterday her intention to nominate Mike Mills as Secretary of the State Department of Parks, Heritage, and Tourism. He will replace Stacey Hurst, who has been in the position for a little over three years. Mills quoted the song, Arkansas, You Run Deep in Me during the announcement and became emotional talking about his new role. I don't have any specific plans at this point, but I have a great backing from the industry itself, uh, from the governor, and and I, I think that uh, we'll, we'll see us uh, take the department to a higher level. I'd like to jump in on that. I, I think one of the things that is really important is we have just barely, I think, begun to scratch the surface of the opportunities that exist in the outdoor economy here in Arkansas. Mills says he has great respect for the Huckabee family and has known Sanders since she was a preteen. He's the founder of the Buffalo Outdoor Center, a float trip company based in Ponca. We mentioned earlier the 2022 midterm elections ended in Arkansas with yesterday's runoff. Alma voters selected Jimmy Fincher as mayor. Bella Vista will be led by John Flynn at City Hall. And Ernie Penn is again the mayor of Farmington. All right, so the runoffs are finished, but is your holiday shopping done yet? If you're looking for books for somebody on your list or for yourself, we continue our conversations with local bookstore owners. After talking with Bookish and Ford Smith and Two Friends Books in Bentonville, we check in with Pearl's Books in Fayetteville. That's later on today's show. Happy Holidays from the KUAF and Friends Holiday Giveaway. This is your chance to win a gift from one of many generous KUAF underwriters. Participants include Woodstone Craft Pizza, Botanical Garden of the Ozarks, the Commons Bar and Cafe at Theater Squared, and more. Winners announced Friday, December 9th during the noon edition of Ozarks at Large. Details and registration are available at KUAF.com. Can you make a blackberry taste even more like a blackberry or isolate the tropical flavors in a bud of hops? Experts from the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture say when it comes to flavor, the possibilities are endless. And this week, they are hosting the Arkansas Flavor Analysis Conference in Fayetteville to give researchers and industry professionals the tools to optimize the unique qualities of our food. Ozarks at Largest Daniel Carruth spoke with Scott LaFontaine, Assistant Professor of Food Chemistry, about the conference. 
And it's a conference where we're inviting um, an international expert on flavor chemistry in, Dr. Eric Leitner from TU Graz in Austria. And really, the conference is around how to use uh, instrumental analysis to promote flavors in crops as well as uh, value-added products, such as beer, wine, or, you know, jams, you know, any processed food. And so when you talk about, you know, flavor analysis, what does that mean? What, what is it that this is? So uh, part of the speciality that I work in is a technique called gas chromatography mass spectrometry. And I know that's a mouthful, uh, but essentially there's compounds that volatilize or um, go into the gaseous state, let's say, and we smell them. Right, so we have a tool which is uh, I'm going to shorten that to it's called GCMS, and that tool allows us to separate compounds. So chromatography is separation. So we want to identify individual components that are leading to the aromas that we have. Right, so our our olfaction bulb can sense different volatiles, and those volatiles then send cues to our brain when we eat pineapple or cheese, right? So depending on the composition of those volatiles, that tells us the, the aroma that we're smelling, right? So there's a link between the chemistry or that olfaction bulb and the, chemi the chemicals that are attaching to those sensors. So this instrument allows us to look at uh, the volatile fraction of um, chemical components. Yeah, and for you, why focus on on this area of chemistry, like why flavor and food, why is that something that's important to you? So my background has been in brewing science. Um, and so I've worked a lot with beer and wine and non-alcoholic products. And particularly that non-alcoholic products is something that I'd like to you know, talk further about in this. But um, there's th that is what provides enjoyment. Um, and I think nowadays that's a really important thing, um, and not just, you know, decoupled from the alcohol as well. Like if, if we eat foods that taste good, it, it, you know, that brings joy into our life. And so learning the different agricultural techniques that promote uh, good tasting crops or how um, we promote different compositions in those crops so that they perform well in value-added products. The chemistry is an important piece of that. And so helping others to understand that so we can promote new flavors of the future as well, I find a lot of enjoyment out of that. And, and a lot of these topics are pretty complex, but once we pull it apart and look at it from a flavor perspective, we've all eaten things that we, we recognize the flavors of. And once you start talking about those, those chemistries, it makes the concept easier to grasp. Yeah. And I think, can you dig into that, just the, I guess, agricultural aspect of it? So how do you have different agricultural or crop techniques that can enhance or change something's flavor, I guess. Or yeah, can you? you? You can totally, right? So one one aspect or one arm of my research will be to work and partner with um, breeders, crop breeders here at the university. So Dr. Uh, Yu Yan Shah, he's in the Rice uh, Research Extension Center, or Margaret Worthington, she's in um, horticulture. Uh, so um, Dr. Shaw is a, is a rice breeder, and um, um, Dr. Worthington would be uh, a fruit breeder. And so really what one, one direction is we can create new varieties that lead uh, and promote novel flavors. So if we understand what the volatile composition of those products are or the chemical composition of those, those crops, in the, like the genomics that lead to certain volatiles upregulating or downregulating, right? So you have the genomic part and the phenotype part, right? So I'm in charge of that phenotype analysis. And what we can do is use those, those breeding techniques to dial in certain um, flavor directions. And so this, this, the, the chemical uh, aspect provides a visualization of, you know, what are the possibilities from a breeding perspective. Yeah. Could you give me an example of, of one of those that you've maybe worked on in the past? My background is sort of working with hops. Uh, and so at the time that I started my PhD, which was at Oregon State University, I was working with um, Tom Shellhammer, and uh, his speciality is in hops and um, sort of hop analysis and, and brewing chemistry. And historically, hops were used in the brewing process for bitterness uh, and microbial stability. And the question that I entered in at uh, was, 
is there an analytical metric that, say, if you were purchasing hops, it would be indi- uh, an indicator of how well that hop would per- perform aromatically, right? Like, it, this compound's high, so it's going to lead to high aroma. And so we, the analytical um, approach in, in the past was total oil of the hop. So then, you know, you take the hops, put them in boiling water, and then you have a little condenser receiver that uh, the oil can collect in. And then the total amount of that oil used to be thought of as the main driver. But what happens is that oil is mainly made up of a, a class of compounds called um, terpenes. So uh, myrcene is a big one. It's, it's smells like uh, uh, like woody almost in, in quality. But that myrcene has a very particular way in which uh, it can be extracted. And so it doesn't really get into beer because it's hydrophobic. So it sticks onto surfaces. It'll stick onto yeast cells, which get removed uh, or filtered out of the beer. And then there's other compounds that are in very, very small concentrations. So parts, you know, parts per billion. And um, those compounds are called monoterpene alcohols. So linalool. Uh, is an example of one of those compounds, and it has a floral aroma. You know, some sometimes it, it, it's very high in Fruit Loops, so you, that's where you've maybe interacted yeah. with it. And um, those compounds actually get into beer. And so as we deconstruct that oil, what we found was that certain, you know, it wasn't the majority of the oil that was important. It was some of these smaller fractions. So for people who maybe are like me, so I know that a lot of what your work is is focus on research and maybe more at an analytical level. But for someone who maybe is a novice baker or brews beer in their home kitchen or something, how can they think about food and flavor in a way that maybe uh, interacts with your work or is maybe more understanding of it from a novice level? Yeah. So from that perspective, um, in terms of this conference, what I want to have happen is, so Dr. Uh, Eric Leitner is going to focus on sort of what, that, what these techniques are. So the, the beginning of the conference will sort of be outlining different methods that you can perform on this, this instrumentation. And then the end, it's different applications and different crops. So we'll look at, you know, how this, this technique could be applied to rice or, um, or berries or um, in different um, uh, food aspects. So I'm going to go over a non-alcoholic beer. Uh, but as a novice, I would say that just understanding that there are, that there are varieties of crops and those varieties have di- can provide different flavor profiles. It doesn't have to necessarily be in brewing, but any, any raw material that you bake with or you work with in your home, uh, varieties matter, right? Like they have different flavor profiles. And that, that's one take-home message, right? Like better understanding of that will make you a better chef. And they, and they have different chemistries that perform differently. And we're just talking about the aroma part, but there's a lot of different applications uh, of utilizing uh, chemistry to to better promote your home baking or home brewing or cooking. As far as your work and the chemistry of it, um, how is climate change playing a role in the different varieties and the flavors that we're able to experience and have? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. So, um, what what I hope to partner with, right? That that's sort of out of my uh, outside my realm in terms of um, what what what's happening from an ag- agricultural perspective is as he, things heat up, crops might be over ripening, and so ripening time has a large impact on the volatile composition of let's say uh, fruits and and berries as well as hops, and that's some some research that I have explored. Um, now. In terms of breeding for uh, climate-resistant crops, right? That that's sort of not my background. But what I would like to have in that conversation is we can't just breed for those directions and not have a focus on flavor. Because if at the end of the day we breed that crop that's uh, heat-resistant or drought-resistant, and we didn't focus on flavor or didn't have a, a flavor co- uh, component in that breeding initiative, you know, when we get to the end, will consumers even buy that crop 
right? And that's that's an important thing for us to to consider as we move move forward uh, with these challenges. Is we still want consumers to be interacting with that, right? We we have to grow more sustainable uh, uh, varieties, and we want those varieties to be performing in the in the risks that to, that, that are going to come at them in the future. But that that that, that enjoyment piece, we need that. And um, we are we are going to need consumers to buy these these products as well. So, yeah. And so, as far as the conference goes, what do you hope people who come to it get out of it? So, w- one thing um, I would say is it's probably it's pretty technical. Um, mm-hmm. But what I want to have happen is people to realize that this this technical capability is is going to be now offered at the University of Arkansas, and then sort of spur thought in how we can use this technique to better the food products and crops in this area, as well as on a national um, capacity. And I'm wondering for you, I know you just got here not not that long ago, but um, is there a reason you see why maybe Arkansas is a good place to have this capacity to do that research, to create these tools and measurement processes? So as an outsider, right, yeah. I'm not from Arkansas. I grew up in Delaware. I did uh, most of my Ph.D. work out on the West Coast and then, you know, spent time in Germany. So I'm sort of a transplant at this point. But what I see in the market potential here in Arkansas is that there's a lot of food producers uh, and a lot of successful food producers that have been in the industry that might be looking for, you know, how to, how to develop new products. And I think this is just another tool on the belt that could help to, to spur this industry. And particularly, I, I work with uh, brewing. So Arkansas grows 40% of the rice in the U.S. Um, and so from a perspective of brewing, that was really attractive to me because rice is used as an adjunct in brewing. And I think rice right now is sort of underutilized in the brewing process because we use it as a neutral starch source. And what I mean by that is we want... Uh, that starch is just long-chain sugar, right? So we feed, we can uh, use enzymes to break down that starch and then feed it to yeast, and that's what produces alcohol. But we don't want much flavor to come in from the rice. But what if we looked at that in a different way? What flavors can we get from rice? So one thing with barley right now is that barley would be the main grain that's used by the brewing industry. But barley has had really hard years in terms of climate change within the U.S. production. The war in Ukraine has also destabilized a lot of the barley market. So there's a lot of challenges on that market. So if you were a craft brewer and you were looking for a localized source of starch, rice could be may become a potential of future growth. And so doing some research on that, seeing what potential exists in that space, helping this local market from that perspective is also a direction. All right. Well, that's mostly what I had for you. Was there anything you wanted to add or, or you think people should know or wanted to say? Um, so one more thing I would say is that there is a brew CP or certificate uh, brewing program uh, that exists now in the Department of Food Science. So that's one more thing that I'll sort of take over and that's in a teaching realm. And this is for undergrads as well as um, graduate students and and even you know um, degree seeking professionals in terms of you know coming back into a post post back program but it's, it's just a certificate program so you could come and take a few courses but what I would like for that program to more grow into is sort of beverage innovation right because there's even outside of beer right uh, I've been talking with folks that are uh, working on sake and using rice to to go into that space. And and so there's a lot of, again, potential. I keep coming back to that word, but I, I see there's a lot of potential for sort of connection with my sort of beverage background and my analytical chemistry and the, and the flavor background to sort of create good collaborations with folks. That was University of Arkansas chemistry professor Scott LaFontaine speaking with Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth. The Arkansas Flavor Analysis Conference takes place Friday from 9 until 6 at the Don Tyson Center on the University of Arkansas campus in Fayetteville. This is Ozarks at Large, and you know, Matthew, what else this is? I do. It's the season of giving on-air fundraiser. Yep. 
KUAF is a reflection of what you value in news coverage. We are independent journalism for independent thinkers. We're also commercial free. We get the majority of our funding from our listeners, the people who value independence in their lives and in their communities. So as this year draws to a close, I hope that you'll take some time to support quality journalism for our community. I'm hoping you're going to take just a few minutes today to make your contribution to strengthen KUAF and the news, the information, culture that enriches your thinking, your decision-making, the conversations you have every day, your daily life in so many different ways. Now, whatever the show, whatever the topic, whatever you learn from it, your vital support helps create great radio for the public good, for everyone to benefit from. Think about the incredible range of programs, subjects, ideas, and people you encounter when you turn to KUAF. Matthew, last evening, Ryan Versi, our uh, underwriting director, and I were doing this during All Things mm-hmm. Considered. And in just half an hour, there was a serious story about the cost to, to make a phone call out of prison. There was a story about the incoming Israeli government. But there were also stories about Deion Sanders becoming a coach, you know, leaving Jacksonville, Jackson State, and going to Colorado. Yeah. And that was just like really 20 minutes. You listen to All Things Considered or a couple of hours of KUAF any day. It's just this wide range of things that informs you and that you'll be talking about for the next several days. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's one of the reasons why it's called All Things Considered, right? It's, That's it's right. It's really taking this idea of, of the serious, the ephemeral, the sincere, and the, uh, you know, the things that you ought to know about and really getting into why it's so important for our audience to know this. What I love is if you tune into All Things Considered, say it's at the beginning of an hour, you go, okay, I've kind of heard that there was this press conference or this development with the economy or something. You know you're going to hear that. So you hear what you expect. But what what I also love is you get completely surprised. Yeah, absolutely. In In an age when we can curate exactly our playlists, you know, and exactly what we want to watch on our streaming device, it's all sort of aimed toward us. I love the idea that you can turn on NPR and be completely surprised. Absolutely. Hear about something you didn't know about. Absolutely. And if you are someone who really values that sort of news information coming to you on a daily basis, take just a moment and think about how much you value that. And you choose the denomination, you choose the frequency, and you can give your gift today at supportkuaf.com. Theater Squared presents the inventive, magic-filled T2 adaptation of A Christmas Carol. You can experience this reimagination of Dickens' classic ghost story and set the stage for a new holiday tradition for your whole family. On stage through December 24th, 777-7477 or theater2.org for tickets. Support for KUAF comes from the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal, now featuring arts and entertainment, including largest venues, plus local business news from Northwest Arkansas. Subscriptions and more information are available at 725-0394 or nwabusinessjournal.com. Matthew? Yes. Do you have your plans for the oculation? The oculation. Yes. All right. So tonight, and I'm not going to get this all right. I'm not going to give you all the details. But the answer is ton- no. Okay. <laughs> tonight, Mars is close. Uh Ish, right? It's all relative. The cold full moon, which is a term I did not know till yesterday, is going to pass between Earth and Mars. Mm. And this is going to be, for for folks who like to look in the sky and and study Mars and the moon, it's going to be something else. Okay. So it's going to happen about in the central time zone, where we are. Yes. (laughs) Best time to view the oculation is 906 to 9.52. Okay. That's the good news. Yeah. Bad news is we're supposed to get thunderstorms around 9, so we probably won't see the oculation. Not with that attitude, Kyle. (laughs) But uh, if you miss the oculation, Uh don't worry. There's going to be another one in 2025, though apparently not as... Not as good. Yeah, not as sensational right. as this one. What was the thing that happened a few years ago? It was the uh, the eclipse. It was a solar eclipse? The, the the triangulation, I think it was something like that. Yeah. I actually went on top of uh, that little park in Mount Sequoia and watched it. So I was living in St. Louis at the time, and it was like in the band of like you could see it super well. Oh, you're talking about the full eclipse. The yes. Total, oh, the no, total no, 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 no. Well, I also went to Mount Sequoia, but my wife went to like the heart of... 
And she said it was it changed her life. It was remarkable to see because I had never seen one before. And I thought, okay, it's not going to be that big of a deal. It was that big of a deal. It was wild to that's watch. What, that's what Laura was, told me. And it was one of those things where, you know, it's it's the middle of the day and all of a sudden it gets really dark really quickly and you hear crickets start going. You hear the frog. That's like, what Laura I'm in the okay. middle of St. Louis, like city, city St. Louis. And you start hearing all the wildlife going crazy and then you see it happen. You're just like, holy smokes, this is wild. Well, that's this not. Will, <laughs> don't oversell this the will not be this. <laughs> The oculation is tonight. We probably won't experience he- it here. But if there are future astronomical phenomena that won't be happening here, this is your show. That sounds great. This is Ozarks at Large. Joining me from Pearl's Books in Fayetteville, we have Daniel and Leah Jordan. Thank you both for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're happy to be here. Awesome. Well, it is time to give books for the holidays, and we have a really wonderful spread of books here. We've got big books. We've got little books. We've got whatever this thing is here, <laughs> this like 3D book here. This is awesome. Let's, uh, let's jump into it here. Yeah, sounds great. We'll start with a 3D book. Perfect. <laughs> um, these are, okay, by Peter Littman. I had one when I was a kid, but it's a little just kind of 3D box book. Oh, that's awesome. And the pages open. We have in front of us the land of dinosaurs, and you can see all the little dinosaur heads poking up over the top of the, the book cover. Um, but they're just really sweet, fun, interactive, almost accordion-like. Yeah. Um, and I forgot that these existed until I was browsing books one day and um, immediately remembered one from my childhood that it was about and a haunted house. Mm. So kids gravitate toward these. They're good for all ages. Uh, we have quite a few in the store, including like Old McDonald's Farm and Mother Goose. Mother Goose, one with a train and yeah got little wheels on it so they're a lot of fun because they feel like a toy yeah but then also just have the sweet little stories inside this is one of my favorites good for a stocking stuffer as well yeah that's awesome yeah and staying with the kid theme we have um runny babbit um this is a book by shell silverstein and, and on the cover it says it's a, a billy sook so that gives you kind of a clue like as to what happens yeah. throughout the story <laughs> um it's like classic Shel Silverstein illustrations and funny stories, but um, what he does is he switches the first letters of um, of the words. So you get like Toe Jurtle for Joe Turtle mm. uh, and Wormy Squirm for Squirmy Worm and stuff like that. So it's just a really fun book to read um, to your kids. Um, and, you know, Shel Silverstein's like just a classic, yeah. great children's author. One of the things I really love about so many of his books is the simplicity and the minimalism of looking at the books that I feel like so it's, it's almost the diametric opposite of yeah. this 3D yeah, book, yeah, right? Yeah, that, sure. Like this is very tactile. This There's a lot of colors going on here. But with uh, Runny Babbitt, we've got it's simple. It's black and white drawings yeah. and it's uh, much more minimal, but it's it's got its own kind of similar humor to it as well. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very whimsical. Yeah. Numbers. Whimsical is a very good word for it. So the next one we have is Giant. It's, uh, I don't know. It would be a good coffee table book. Yeah. This one's so great because it... Really works well for children, but also adults. It's kind of a for all all the people book. Um, and you were reading about it. Oh, it's called The Lost Words. Robert McFarlane and Jackie Morris are the authors. Um, and they realized recently in the Oxford Junior Dictionary, there were many words that were removed from the dictionary, nature words, things like otter and... Um, acorn. Acorn. <laughs> and so what huh. the book does... It's got beautiful illustrations, and it goes through, and they call it a spell book to bring back the words. (laughs) And so it's got, again, these illustrations, a little bit of a backstory. You have all the letters, and then it goes through, 
and has the word acorn, mm. for example, and then has a little poem about the word acorn and adder. And so it's just going to go through the book and give a lovely poem for each one. Beautiful illustration. So this would be a great coffee table book or really nice, you know, even for like baby's first Christmas. Yeah, or something I was going like to say this looks really great. It would look great in a, in a nursery. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. It is it, in itself a work of art for sure. So. So switching a little bit to um, like adult books, um, we have a, a pile of nonfiction here. So first, um, How to Keep House While Drowning by mm. Casey Davis. This is um, the subtitle is A Gentle Approach to Cleaning and Organizing. And that is a very good subtitle. It's very gentle the way that um, – the way that it talks about um, keeping your house clean or organizing your house um, it is very non-judgmental. One of the key points that she tries to make is that cleanliness is not a moral issue. So mm. if you have a messy desk or a messy house, um, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. You looked very intently at my at desk. your beautifully as you organized said. desk. It looks messy great. Desk. <laughs> <laughs> it is not messy at all. That's why I looked at it. I'm impressed. Another key point she makes early on in the book is that your house should work for you, not you work for your house. Mm. So like if you're feeling stressed and you know anxious about how everything looks, like maybe just rethink the way that it looks and the way that you have things organized and try to make it more intuitive and like Baskets. She's big on putting baskets yeah. on, in places where things, things pile up. Mm-hmm. You know, just put a basket there. Put it in the basket, and then it doesn't if look. If you're quite already as messy. piling up your clothes in yeah. on this chair, you might as well just <laughs> put a basket next yeah. to the chair. Yeah, put a basket next to the chair or a coat hook or something. Yeah, I haven't even read this book, but Daniel's talked about it enough that it's changed <laughs> my life too. So. Osmosis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, another one we have is Essentials of Classic Italian Cooking, and uh, the 30th anniversary edition just came out. The copy we have here is not that, um, but it's my, by Marcella Hazen, um, and it's a beautiful – there are just a lot of pen and ink um, – nice illustration Mm. throughout it, but it's very much a teaching cookbook. Mm. And so if you're wanting to learn the uh, true, authentic Italian recipes, then this is a really, a really great book. Been around for a long time, very well respected and well trusted. And so, yeah, it's, it's pretty wordy. So it is one that you could spend time just reading and pick up a lot of knowledge and information, but it's divided by different types of recipes. So salads, vegetables, meat, pasta. Yeah, this feels like it would pair really well with someone who got the pasta attachment to their KitchenAid To their KitchenAid, yes, absolutely. (laughs) If you've got someone in your life who's wanting that attachment, Mm -hmm. this is a great addition to that gift. Yes, for sure. So next I have a memoir, um, and I've been reading a lot of memoirs lately. I love them. So this is a Bomb Shelter by Mary Laura Philpot. I love how she writes because it's very honest and blunt, but very gracious too. Um, so she is kind of like a nervous person, uh, wants everything to be in its place, wants um, life to go a certain way, has certain expectations for how her life will go. And when she has a kid who um, develops epilepsy, that kind of falls apart for her, like sure. this like feeling like she has control over her life. And so she kind of talks about that and about how to find beauty in the hard things in life. One of, I think it's the last essay in this um, memoir, she talks about how birthdays always remind her of of death, but not in a bad way, in yeah. a way of like, this is great. We need to celebrate celebration this of life almost. because, yeah, yeah, because we're here for another year. We're not, we're not dead yet. So mm. let's, let's enjoy this time we have together. And yeah, it's a really beautiful book. I love it. Yeah. I think it can be particularly meaningful too, because the holidays are so hard for a lot of people. Yeah. And so therefore, in a way, it's kind of in the same way of Casey Davis embracing the clutter. You're embracing the messiness of life and really being okay with the fact that it's hard. Um, So next we have Gardening for Everyone for Julia Watkins. And this is a pretty basic how-to, growing vegetables, herbs. And again, very educational. So for anyone who's talked about wanting to garden for a long time but maybe hasn't done it, or for novice and I think um, uh, experienced gardeners alike, it has just a lot of a wealth of knowledge um, from, 
you know, using manure in your compost, different tools that you can use, how to create garden beds, raised garden beds, things like that. So the cover is beautiful, so it also can double as a nice um, coffee table book if you wanted that. But it's a good time as well during the winter so that you can start planning ahead for your garden. So next I have um, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Yeah, I've seen a lot about this book. By Gabrielle Zevin. It's such a good book. It's probably my, mm, it might be my favorite book of the year. It's pretty close, but um, it's a book about friendship primarily. So it's a a group of um, mainly two friends. There's a third friend that comes and goes throughout the story, but they're video game designers. And so it's like a whole other world that I have not been exposed to. Um, I'm not a video game player at all, but just reading this book and Learning a little bit more about it made me want to pick up a, a Switch. So I, I have a Switch now, and I started playing a little bit. And, and it's not necessarily, you know, like like I said, I didn't have video game experience before and picked it up and loved it. So it's not like you have to love video games to enjoy the book. But um, I do think that it would be a good gift for someone who who is into video games and also likes literary fiction. One of the things I like about it is it's a male-female friendship throughout the book, but there's never like this pressure for a romantic relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't go there, and that's that's great, and that's I feel like rare in a lot of books. Yeah. Um, I love romance in books too, but I like that about this one. That made it unique. And then our last one here. Yes, our last one uh, is really kind of a whole category of classics, so beautifully covered classics. Uh, And when I say covered, I mean the cover itself is beautiful. Uh, And we all judge books by their covers. Let's not deny it. Mm -hmm. People get paid to make them beautiful and sell more books, so that's great. We have, I'm going to list out the ones that we have in the store, but Pride and Prejudice, Dorian Gray, Emma, a Christmas Carol, Wuthering Heights, and Little Women. Um, and I think there are a few others that we could even order in, but they're these beautifully just dark, kind of moody mm-hmm. floral covers with uh, metallic, the floral print on them is metallic, and then gilded edges. Daniel wanted me to make sure to point out that there is a, ri- uh, a ribbon yeah. bookmark in them as well. And they're, you know, for something that would be a collectible, I think for a lot of people, they're really reasonably priced and just a lovely book. So something that you can hold on to a long time and pass down. Well, Leah, Daniel, thank you so much for joining me and uh, happy holidays. Thanks so much. Thank Thank you. you. Happy holidays to you. The KUAF Giving Tree has been lit. This annual program from your public radio station benefits an area nonprofit that's looking for our community's help. This month of December, we're working with Seven Hills Homeless Center, working to develop and implement collaborative local solutions that foster hope, opportunity, and stability for people experiencing homelessness. Seven Hills provides a wide range of basic needs and housing services as well as working with other community groups to help decrease homelessness in our community. Right now, Seven Hills' biggest needs are canned soups, coats, socks, gloves, and winter hats. Simply drop off your donation of new or gently used items at KUAF 9 South School in Fayetteville. You can find more information about Seven Hills online at sevenhillscenter.org. The Giving Tree and KUAF Public Radio. Make your voice matter. This is Ozarks at Large. As you know, we are in the midst of our season of giving on-air fundraiser. And through it all in 2022, KUAF has not only been your reliable source of quality journalism, we've also been your source for analysis, conversation, and connection in our locally produced podcast as well. Consider all the KUAF has informed you of and expanded your understanding of this past year. The systemic and historical foundations of racism and how we can identify and work towards social and economic justice with our podcast, The R Word, community conversations and book discussion series on reparations. A deep dive into the ballot measures, the candidates and the mechanics of voting in the midterms in our podcast series, Natural Election, and our really fun uh, game show that we did too, Kyle. (laughs) And conversations on cultural competency and how local solutions could improve 
Universal Problems and Points of Departure, a podcast produced by Daniel Carruth from Ozarks at Large in collaboration with the Arkansas Global Changemakers. This year, you turn to KUAF for facts and context, for international and national news, and also for news from your community, on demand and ready for you whenever you need it. So today, we're turning to you. Our contributing listeners make KUAF possible. So take just a moment today. Think about how much you rely on the information, the podcasts, the radio that you get from KUAF, and make a gift that matches that value at supportkuaf.com. And again, this year for our Season of Giving fundraiser, special gift. If uh, you make a contribution, the fifth annual KUAF Live CD, this year it's a collection of live performances from inside the building from throughout the previous 11 months. This is our fifth year of bringing you the best in live music on KUAF by offering a CD bundle. Now, you can request a 2022 KUAF Live Volume 5 double CD and one or more of the previous year's KUAF Live uh, collections. That's for $20 a month or $240 a year. If you want to be a sustaining member at $20 a month, you can do that. You could get all five mm-hmm. of the CDs, the box set, uh, as long as supplies last. Mm-hmm. This will include our very first collection, the 30th anniversary, uh, the very first collection. Then there was the 30th anniversary Ozarks at Large collection. There was the 2021 holiday collection. That included performances from our Ozarks at Large live holiday shows. That also includes the double CD of 2019. And this year's double CD, including tracks from the Lunch Hour and Ozarks at Large music, you're not going to be able to get anywhere else. Not online, not anywhere. That's right. All right. You can't get a collection of these musicians and their live performances anywhere else. When you're doing this, you're supporting the news, the music, the community you get from KUAF all year long. Details at supportkuaf.com. For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. A little rock musician gained a reputation as a pianist, composer, a conductor, and music teacher. Art Porter Sr., born in 1934, showed musical talent from a young age, hosting a classical music radio show when he was 14. After a stint in the Army, Porter spent 12 years teaching vocal music at Horace Mann and Parkview High Schools and Philander Smith College, playing jazz piano in the evenings with the Art Porter Trio. He hosted musical programs The Minor Key and Porter House Cuts on television, but also followed his interest in classical music, performing with symphony orchestras in Little Rock and Fort Smith. In 1976, he gathered his former vocal students to perform Handel's Messiah at Bethel AME Church. They still perform at each Christmas as the Art Porter Singers. He played at Bill Clinton's presidential inauguration and inspired the state legislature to pass the Art Porter Bill, which allowed minors to perform in clubs under adult supervision. He died in 1993. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Gravit. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors today included Jacqueline Froelich, Daniel Carruth, and Mark Christ. Additional material today provided by our friends at KUAR Radio in Little Rock. Support today and all year provided by you and listeners like you. You can make a contribution right now at supportkuaf.com. Matthew produced today's show inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. Tomorrow on the show conversation about Alzheimer's care in Arkansas. A new plan has been updated, how the state will proceed going forward. That conversation will be on tomorrow's show, as well as Sound Perimeter and uh, Timothy Dennis with a look at what live music is coming up over the next seven days. That's right. Don't forget, if you haven't had an opportunity to do so yet, it's not too late. You can make your gift of any denomination, whether you want to do it as a one-time gift or as a recurring sustaining member gift, you can do that at support KUAF. Next oculation, in mm-hmm. case you missed tonight, right. the cold full moon moving in front of Mars. Uh, probably not going to see it tonight live because of the clouds and the thunderstorms. The next one, January 13th, 2025. That sounds... Uh, uh, That's not that far away. I'll mark it in my calendar. I think I've decided, Kyle, the next full-length album I create, I'm going to call it Cold Full Moon. That's a great album title. <laughs> You're great for supporting KUAF and Ozarks at Large. Support KUAF.com. We will be back with you tomorrow at noon and 7. You can always ask your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large and hear the most recent episode. I'm Kyle Kellums. I'm Matthew Moore. Thanks for listening.